All right, here we are. September 8, 2023, Common Sense, Ohio. Common Sense doesn't stop just because we're in, almost in the middle of September. It doesn't stop because it's November, December, or any other month or any other day. We are bringing you Common Sense, Ohio, week in and week out, at least most of the time. You can check us out at commonsenseohioshow.com. Coming at you right now, really a first today, guys. We are here on video. And uh, this is our baby step program to get to live streaming and or uh, other video formats, clips, reels, all the stuff that everybody loves on social media. So we are a little bit arcane. Why? I think maybe because we're all over 40. <laughs> maybe more. <laughs> maybe more. But uh, it is Common Sense Ohio brought to you by Harper Plus Accounting. You hear that, guys? We got to sponsor Harper Plus Accounting. And I know Harper Plus Accounting. Why? Because they do my accounting. And it's far more than just getting your beans counted. It's far more than just getting your transactions filed. They provide a global consulting service, to me anyway, on how to run my business, decisions I have to make day in and day out. Anybody who's run a, a small, medium, or large business understands that you have to make decisions all the time. Every decision you make, and it wears on you. It, it, it's tiresome. I have to decide how many paper clips to buy in a month. I have to decide uh, bigger things like what do, what kind of space do I need for my office uh, and all those fancy depreciation and capital is all those fancy accounting words. They help me with all that. And they can help you too. It's Harper Plus Accounting. You can check them out online, Glenn Harper. Um, and, and while we're at it, you can check us out at commonsenseohioshow.com where you should uh, subscribe, you should like, you should share with your neighbors, you should read Norm's blog, Brett's blog, and mine when it finally emerges from the dust. Uh, it'll be there, I promise, one day. Uh, and then if you want to be a sponsor, you can reach out to us there. We've had a couple of people reach out since last week, so it's catchy, I guess. Uh, wants a sponsor. Uh, everybody wants to be one, but you could be early in line. Early bird gets the worm, Norm. Uh, all right, yes, so uh, we're starting it out last week, and we'll do it this week with our quote of the day, or, our, or for <laughs> this day in history, and there is going to be a quote today, so that's why I said that, but this day in history in World War II, 1943, U.S. General Dwight Eisenhower publicly announced the surrender of Italy to the Allies, um, so it was sort of like the uh, beginning of the end, probably for mm -hmm. old Adolf, what now we, we still hadn't had uh, D-Day yet, there was some other stuff going on. Uh, and then a random quote, they call it a random World War II quote. Uh, first, they were too cowardly to take part. Now they are in a hurry so that they can share in the spoils. That's Adolf Hitler talking about Mussolini trying to get him to declare war on France and Great Britain. Mm. Uh, ironically, on this day in uh, history, September 8th, 2023, uh, a meager several years later, they had toppled. So the trains were running on time, at least for a little while. I, although I think that's not necessarily true. Mussolini did not actually get the trains running on time. But, um, and I think it's also helpful to note, uh, transitioning into Common Sense Ohio and what we abhor here, socialism, communism, fascism, and all the other isms, uh, except for maybe capitalism. And Americanism. Americanism. Yeah. You know, we like all those things. Uh, is that, uh, you know, they were all uh, fascism, socialism, Marxism. They're all just sort of uh, stepchildren. You know, they're all related uh, directly. And it's not that uh, fascism is far on the right and socialism as far on the left. They're both on the left, and one may be different than the other, but they were both born from uh, the Marxist agenda or the Marxist ideology, which is heretofore never worked. And if you think that you're going to be the one to usher it in for this utopian bliss, then uh, you should look in the mirror and reevaluate. <laughs> uh, Definitely. Anyway, Common Sense Ohio, we're coming at you. Uh, Norm, uh, you got stuff teed up, and now everybody gets to see what I always talk about. Norm's sort of paper chase over here. He's got his manila folder that is, uh, he's going to hold it up. He's got his manila folder over here, which is getting beaten up. You know, I love it. it it's like, a, he's like the old uh, 
warhorse reporter from uh, Paper Chase yeah, era, that, that kind of stuff. the yeah. old days, you know, he's going to have his little right. reporter hat maybe yeah. next. And That's I right. can see him on a Smith Corona typewriter clacking That's right. away That's at, right. at home. In, in my era, it was the uh, IBM Selectric. Yeah. The oh, little yeah. dancing ball. Oh, yeah. I learned how to type it in high school anyway on the old Smith Corona manual. If you got, like, you had to trade. So there was like a handful of uh, IBMs like you're talking about. But Yeah, that was state-of-the-art, uh, the IBM Selectric. That that would be like having a Microsoft 11 on a, you know, a uh, one of those uh, hard-top Microsofts that they have, the armored one that the NFL promotes. Well, about... About Italy, yeah. So the Italians surrendered, but uh, General Kesselring and uh, the German army had a far different opinion of that surrender document. And they fought Mark Clark and uh, people like Daniel Inouye, the uh, Japanese-American 442nd most decorated unit ever in uh, military history in the United States, uh, fought in that uh, Italian theater against the uh, Germans and uh, several medals of honor and, uh, you know, a lot of uh, distinguished service crosses. So uh, it was a bloody battle. (laughs) Unlike unlike, uh, MacArthur, Mark Clark landed in Italy without his pants on. He was deposited on a beach from a submarine and walked in in his underwear So uh, because he didn't want to get his pants wet. Well, that's interesting. Yeah, that set the tone. <laughs> well, there's a there's a trilogy of books written by a guy named Rick Atkinson, and the first one I read, I, I confess I've not read the others, but the first one I read, it's an Army at Dawn. It's sort of about the beginning of our involvement in World War II when we uh, uh, started in Africa and that campaign and how it sort of progressed. In uh, in you know you you wonder how does Italy topple first? Well, we went into Africa and then we sort of worked our way up. Uh, yeah, in the yeah, underbelly right. of of Germany. Yeah, and then at the every at the same time. Uh, you had Stalin screaming for a second front the whole time. You know he wanted the he wanted us in Africa. He wanted a second front, and then uh, there. Then we wanted to. He wanted us in, um, in to invade as quickly as possible into yeah. the continent. Italy featured many clusters uh, by U.S. planners. So the Anzio Beach Anzio, landing man. was Go a read com- about that man. was a complete disaster. Another Mark Clark uh, special operation. The bombing of Monte Cassino because there were German uh, snipers and artillery directors using the uh, monastery up monastery there. Monastery on the in the so, mountains. So we leveled it. <laughs> so at any rate, um, yeah, kind of a mess. Um, so uh, to me, the most important um, kind of uh, thing that is affecting Ohioans is kind of behind the scenes right now. But you might re- recall during the budget. Uh, which was recently passed, uh, school vouchers uh, choice for every Ohio family uh, was passed, at giving, I believe it was as much as uh, $8,000 in tuition money to pick out a grade school, high school um, of your choice, public or private. And the way that the legislature did that is they fully funded public schools so that if somebody said, I want a voucher to go to a, a private school or a charter school, the money did not come out of the public schools. It was, it's a separate uh, pool of money that, uh, since Ohio is awash in tax dollars, uh, you know, they had the money to do it. So in, in spite of that, 
250 uh, school districts out of the 1,057. So we have over 1,000 school districts in Ohio. You compare that to Florida that has like 44 school districts and a much larger population than Ohio. Well, how does that happen? How does that happen is because um, it's historical in nature. Uh, obviously, Ohio was settled well before Florida, and uh, we had this tradition uh, constitutionally based in, in our Ohio Constitution that localities could run their schools, and we have not consolidated or merged them. Florida comes along many years later, and each county in Florida, so Ohio has 88 counties, Florida has and I don't know the exact number, you know, 28 or 40 or whatever it is. But Florida has a handful of counties. Each county is the school district. So they only have, you know, a few dozen school districts. We have 1,057 school districts. So 250 of those have joined in a lawsuit against this voucher program. So they're going to litigate that. My old friend down at the Department of Education, ex-assistant superintendent of Ohio schools, Bill Phillips, uh, heads up an organization called Vouchers Hurt Ohio. And Bill's wrong on this. Bill has been right on many things, but on this one, he's wrong. Um, he, is, he is joining forces with the OEA, which is the Ohio you know, chapter of the NEA, the teachers' union, and they are together with 250 school districts, some of which the state auditor has found to have spent taxpayer money to join this lawsuit, which is out of order, in my opinion, because this is political. They shouldn't be spending tax dollars on politics, but of course they are. And um, they're fighting this anti-monopolistic program, because that's what, that's what public schools have been up till now. They're a monopoly. You don't have any other choice of where to send your kids unless you're wealthy or totally sacrifice your family's income to huge amount of dollars to go to DeSales or uh, the Columbus Academy or, you know, Columbus School for Girls or some private charter school. This now, this legislation passed in Ohio gives every parent the right to get cash dollars, you know, in the form of a piece of paper, a voucher to spend on a school of their choice. And naturally, the ingrained constituencies that want to protect that monopoly are against it. So we're going to find out well, how this is going to there, really, sort out. It's, it's in, I, I'm, I'm, as I often do on the show, I'm thinking out loud here. It seems to me there's going to be two main objections to this. One is going to be ideologically, and the other one is going to be financially. And, and financially is probably the one that's uh, steering the ship, I think, from your or from the perspective that you're talking about from funding, um, Norm, what is exactly what is the threat to the public schools or the current school system? Uh, what th- sort of frame the threat that the voucher program has on it from a financial perspective and a funding perspective? Well, if your kid goes to a school, let's say that uh, has a terrible uh, passage rate on um, the standardized tests or very few students go on to, let's say, a technical school or college or can even qualify to to join the military because they're not educated, because they've learned, you know, all the wrong stuff or they they had just terrible conditions. Or perhaps your local school that your kids would go to has a serious um, track record of violence, you know, or um, 
some other cultural uh, something that you don't want your kids exposed to. Or maybe you want your kids to be taught values, Judeo-Christian values, and they can't do that in a public school, right? That That's banned. Uh, some schools won't even let you pray. Even silent prayer, right, is has been banned by a lot of public schools. So what they're threatened by, Steve, is the fact that people are going to vote with their feet. And even though this won't affect the school's in terms of the money they get from the state now because the budget funds both programs and they have fully funded public schools. They, they gave them an increase, fully funded them, and if a student leaves, let's say, Groveport or Gehanna's public school system, they are not extracting the money back out of that school district to give to the parents. They are funding the parents separately for these vouchers. But they know the handwriting's on the wall. Yeah, once that's said, because that okay. can't last. That's right. So what okay. you're, what, what's interesting here is that, in you know, at least here, your school choice is by and large dictated by where you live. So if you want to, if you want to go get a, if you want your children to have a, a, uh, or be in a good public school, you pick the uh, community you want to go live in, and and you decide based on how the the reputation of the school. So, you know, in, in Central Ohio, I think we've been fortunate. Uh, at least in the suburb, suburbs, to have decent public schools. I think so. Um, oh, yeah. Now again, you can you can argue about the ideology, and I think that's going to be end up being just as important. I think we're seeing sort of this exodus from the school system, no pun intended, because I think it, it might be driven a bit by religion. You know, you've got in value systems where where particularly during COVID, parents were like, "Hey, I can homeschool. I can do this." And uh, they just they just say I'm not going to play I'm not going to participate yeah. in your in your games We're going to uh, yeah they have a they have a list of the school districts on their website and I thought well I'm going to look and see if it's if there's a pattern mm-hmm. I know for a fact a lot of these school districts are from red counties yeah so it's not a re- I don't think it's a Republican Democrat thing it it it, it is, doesn't look like it is it's it's I think you're right reading the handwriting on the wall this is where the, is it going this is always the problem. And I, you know, everybody knows where I stand politically, so I'm not going to be shy about it. It seems like this is always the problem of the left. They will vote with their with their theatrical virtue. So you're going to see the signs in their yards. You're going to see all this crap. But when all of a sudden it comes to their home, all of a sudden when, you know, they've got to reap the rewards of these policies, they don't want to do it anymore and they pull out. So I, I don't, I, I think it might be an, uh, a sort of a veiled uh maybe not a party affiliation, but an ideological affiliation. So it's really easy to say that, uh, you know, everybody should be able to do this and everybody should be able to do that, but you don't want it in your own backyard. You know, you don't want Mm -hmm. um, multifamily housing in your neighborhood uh, because you moved to that neighborhood to have a certain community structure that you like. Uh, But, you know, you can say that you're for those things because it sounds good and it's virtuous uh, by today's standards, which I'm not giving credit to, yeah. but just uh, sort of, in fact, I'm doing the opposite. Yeah. Well, so, well even countering what, well, not countering what you just mentioned, Norm, but on their website, they're saying exactly the opposite of what's happening. They're saying, our coalition is growing as more and more school districts join our fight to challenge the constitutionality of the harmful school voucher program that is siphoning funds from our public schools at alarming rates. Yeah. And, and it's, Again, um, future, yes, maybe, but it's not doing that now, so that's misleading. Well, look, if you read anybody, and, and look, the, the the beloved socialism of um, well, the of same. Scandinavia, they have they, you know, if you go read about it, like mm-hmm. they promote a voucher system, you know, and and Thomas Sowell, go read his books on this stuff and his writings on this stuff. I mean, there's all sorts of reasons why it's good, and it can promote 
uh, better education for everybody. And look, if you don't have any competition, like if your schools are so good, if your public schools are so great, why do people not want to go there? And, you know, that's the mm-hmm. question that you, all yeah. these schools should be asking. Not- they don't want to compete. That's all. They, they, they want the monopoly. They want to force you to go to the public school. They don't want you to have choices. So, and as I always said, there's always a way, almost always a way to connect the dots with a conspiracy theory. So you could say that they want to have oh, it's not fully fund. Oh, yeah, well, hold yeah, on, they yeah. want to have uh, only public schools because then the government can dictate the curriculum. And you know, if you and there's some there's some truth to that. So if you just go back to what was it, the Obama years, or even before, where they started to just cram down no child left behind and all this uh, uh, consistent or quote consistent curriculum, you know, they it. it it was a they large lose, funnel, wasn't it? Large funnel to schools. They lose yeah. control yeah. when there's competition. They can't force yeah. down the curriculum. So it, and, it's, and mo- now, it's money. It's look, money. The school, the 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 teachers' unions are going to lose members as 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 public school students leave public schools and go elsewhere. Naturally, the OEA and the NEA will be losing union members, which is money right, in their bank. because those schools mm-hmm. need teachers, and they don't have to be, if they, if presume, presumably, Norm, they don't have to be union, right? So at the voucher school. So, you, you know, it, this is about the same thing we always talk about, money, power, and ego. Ego here being in the ideology. Um, right. But the, uh, the first thing Obama did when he took office was shut down the D.C. voucher program, which was for indigent black families. Yes. The first quote unquote, although I don't know how he's called a black president because he's half white, but well, the, Norm, it only matters when it matters. That's right. So <laughs> the first black president takes office. He kills off a program to benefit indigent black families in DC. And then the multimillionaire, he and Michelle are send their two girls to the Quaker Friends School, which is a private school that charges probably a hundred thousand. Right. Exactly. So it's all hit the nail on the head. That's right. And he did it because the NEA was one of other than the trial lawyers association. The NEA was probably the trial lawyers. I'll knock them. I'll (laughs) knock them right out of here. I have no use for them or the ABA or the, you know, or any of those large groups, the AMA, the, they, they simply bought Obama and he followed through on, on because the last thing you can have is a successful marketplace of ideas where people get to make their own choices and, and on, on a level playing field. It, it, you know, that is the biggest threat to the swamp, whether it's the Columbus swamp or the D.C. swamp. Mm. End of story, really. Well, it's uh, me, 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 my turn. Mm. Uh, anyway, we're going to uh, let's shift gears. Norm, I brought this up early. So Oberlin College in Ohio was in the news the last few years because of the big lawsuit against the, um, uh, it was the coffee shop or the bakery. Yeah. Bakery. Bakery. Yeah. They got, Oberlin got stung pretty, uh, significantly with a, with a jury verdict and an award. And now, and even it went further than that, their insurance company wouldn't pay. So now they're fighting with the insurance company on who's responsible for what. So Oberlin, uh, Oberlin, and, and by the way, anybody who doesn't know Oberlin, Oberlin was sort of the bastion of the liberal far left leaning, uh, educational uh, facilities in the country, in the country. Because, you know, Oberlin was part of what's called the NCAC, the North Coast Athletic Conference. I went to the College of Worcester, which was a sort of a sister school. And, you know, at that time, co- uh, things were a little bit different back in the late 80s and early 90s, but it was shifting quickly. But even back then, Oberlin was considered just way far out there. I mean, way far out there. Um, and 
my both uh, just for full disclosure, both my parents went to Oberlin. My dad went to Oberlin back in the fifties. Uh, played football and then went to uh, up north to Michigan. You know, we'll talk about that later. But anyway, <laughs> uh, and then my mom was in music school there. But uh, so Oberlin hit the news with that lawsuit, and now they're hitting the news again. Uh, women's lacrosse head coach Carrie Russell broke her silence about transgender inclusion in women's sports uh, regarding the Riley Gaines uh, swimming uh, controversy. And this is a woman, this is a coach, uh, uh, and I've been waiting to, to see more of this because, you know, back when I was in small Division three sports, women's sports was like um, – sort of emerging like they were proud they were they were like they had their thing now you know they had women's field hockey women's lacrosse women's soccer and you know we would go back in the fall for football and all the girls were there too for their fall camps and uh it was there and they got to compete and and nobody had any problem with it and then they started allowing men to play women's sports and you can skewer me for saying that but you know it's this has become the problem these 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 sort of initial warriors to get uh, Title IX and fairness in the uh, in the sports arena for women in college sports uh, are now uh, apparently um, Kim Russell anyway is now coming out and saying, "Look, this isn't right. I've been a champion for women's sports my entire career, and it's not right for women to compete uh, against men." It, you know, to me, it's it's sort of tantamount, meaning about the same as permitting steroids. So you have people who have who have like enhanced ability yeah. uh, competing against you, and you, you don't even have to make it gender. It's like if there's like an unfair enhancement. Uh, you're not going to win. I, I know Rogan has talked about this. Like when when they allowed women to go, or a uh, a, a trans guy, or a guy who became a woman, or whatever it would be, uh, to go fight women in UFC. It's like it's not even. Cl- I mean, it's like a slaughter. It, it it's a slaughter. And you know, in swimming, it was uh, just just go look and research this. And you could say that you know they've 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 taken hormones to eliminate their ability to uh, to uh, have that advantage, but. It's all BS. I mean, it, it, in, or maybe put it this way. It's most of the time probably they still have an advantage. And how can it be fair to have that advantage against a woman who has been preparing and competing and preparing and competing and working her entire life, getting up at uh, the wee hours, going back to college early and spending their summers training um, to go get slaughtered by uh, a guy who came in? And, you know, Russell it got skewered for this, you know, uh, and there's been – uh, she, I guess her post was, what do you believe? I just can't be quiet on this. I've spent my life playing sports, uh, starting and coaching sports cro- programs for girls and women. Um, and, you know, it apparently it ignites this firestorm. And then uh, she was told by uh, Oberlin, unfortunately, you fall into a category of people that are filled with hate in the world. And it's unacceptable to have your own opinions, but or it's acceptable to have your own opinions. But when they go against your college's beliefs, it's a problem for your employment. You know, it's uh, which sort of rings in all sorts of other discussions that we can have about this, but uh, you know, it's acceptable to have your own beliefs unless you disagree. Correct. <laughs> it's sort of, yeah. sort of what it is, right? Yeah. If you don't yeah. agree, it's not acceptable. So, you know, hats off to her because I, I can't imagine it was easy. And she, she's the first coach to speak out, correct? At least the first one that's and, gotten good media attention. Always yeah. the first coach gets skewered. Yep. And and hopefully she opens the door for a lot of her coaches, male and female, to start speaking out about this. It's if they if they've been taught, you know, they talk. Of course they, they do. They, you know, you can't, you, you can't they, tell me. She knows she's got support. She just had to be the first one. You, you can't yeah. tell me that when you're the coach of a female athletic program or team, that when you look across the court, you look across the swimming pool, you look across the field, and there's somebody who's like six foot four with the musculature 
of a man. And you're thinking to yourself, this is bullshit. My young ladies have no chance today. And if you're the parent sitting on the sidelines, you're thinking, this is bullshit. Mm -hmm. And if you're not allowed to say that out loud, just because of the theatrical ideology, to go back to use my own term I've coined today, um, it's like she, she had the courage to come forward and finally say enough's enough, enough's enough. And we're not going to do it anymore. And, and Riley Gaines sort of, I think was like you said, Brett, you know, she was one of the first to say, this mm-hmm. is, this is not okay. Yeah. And, and when it's a coach saying it versus a player, when a player says it, it kind of goes like, Oh, wow, wow, me, I can't compete against yeah, them. Or a coach is that's just, it's a different level of looking at it yep. as, as the sport holistically. And a coach at Oberlin. I mean, this is like, yeah. you couldn't have picked a more, uh, controversial place to take this position. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it just is, uh, it really, uh, and again, Ohio making it big again. Yeah. Uh, and hopefully she's speaking some common sense. Normally we got to reach out to her, see if we can get her on the show. Be, well, the, yeah. the first question I would ask her is where in the hell is she as far as boys rights? Okay. So I love her position, but her, her position is in stark contrast to the general position of these women who have now, you know, rising up. I, I love Riley Gaines, but Riley Gaines and this coach need to also address men's rights. Men are institutionally and systemically prejudiced against and, and uh, have fewer rights in college athletics than women. Let me explain. None of these women gave two S's and an F about boys not having an opportunity to get scholarship in lacrosse or swimming or rowing or track and field or any number of other sports. The only sports boys basically can get a scholarship for in America, basically. Now, there are some exceptions, this or that other program, but basically – in universities, it's football or basketball. Why? Because they fill up those positions. Like at Ohio State, the football program pays for all the rest of the sports at Ohio State. That program finances all the women's, the the badminton team, the bowling team, the tiddlywinks team, the rowing team, all the you know the girls' basketball team. All of that stuff is funded from Ohio State football. Now, women can go out for the football team. There is no law. There is nothing stopping other than genetics. There is nothing stopping women from going out for, for the men's basketball team or men's football team. No, there is no hope prohibition whatsoever. But yet, boys do not have any of these other opportunities. Well, hold on a second. I, I'm not. I'm, first of all, let's, let's clarify. So, Oberlin's not a scholarship program. O- I'm not. Oberlin, t- so, I, well, I know. I know you're not. But I'm not talking about yeah. that. Right. So you've told, made it a bigger, broader thing. And that's that, right. I think if we went back to the because they're talking the, Title IX, and I'm talking Title IX. So the people that keep referencing this progress women have made, it's due to Title IX. Title IX disenfranchised men. Okay, and nobody wants to talk about that stuff. Well, no, no, I'm mm. with you. In fact, if mm. we go back, and I think you might have been, I don't know what your position or what, I can't remember where the lines were drawn. We had a drag out fight here at the round table one day about Title IX and, uh, and, and what should be 
what should be required and what shouldn't be required. But look, and I'm not taking a position on Title IX one way or another. I am taking a position. I am simply saying these women fought to have their place in collegiate sports. Now it is being directly threatened by men. I mean, it, it couldn't be more insane to me that, it, it, like, it, when you take a step back and look at it, it's like if you want your own space, if women want their own space and rights in the world, as they should have, then well, well, how is it not directly contrary to that to say men can now be women and take that space too? Okay, so let me flip this. Let me flip it for an intellectual exercise, even though I don't think Leah Thomas should in any way compete against biological women. I don't think that, but let me flip the logic, okay? So if you're a male swimmer, say in high school, and you won state, you're, you're one of the top swimming athletes in the whole country, but you're a boy, okay? And you say to yourself, shit, I should get a scholarship for this. Like the girls over here on the other side of the, the buoys swimming their swim meet, 40 or 50 of the girls will, are going to go ahead and get a scholarship. Zero boys will get a scholarship. They're doing the same sport in high school. Well, if society comes along and says, listen, if you roll out of bed in the morning and you still have a girlfriend, you still have a boy's haircut, you still smell like a boy, walk like a boy, you know, everything. But you can roll out of bed and say, you know, today I'm a woman and go get one of those scholarships at UCLA or someplace. Is that so dumb? Is that really... I mean, I mean, think about a boy who's going to have to pay for four years of college education, but yet he, if he just says he's a girl, in presto changeo, he suddenly gets the same rights as the girls that he doesn't get because he's a boy, okay? Nobody wants to talk about that, right? Nobody wants to address the inequity between a similarly situated boy versus a girl. So your position, let me, let me see if I can frame this, because I think you've taken this to a place that, that's right. that we, didn't, to, that that's we right. didn't start. That's right. um, what you're saying is there are more scholarships available for women than there are men in oh. collegiate sports. Oh, my God. All right. Yes. And yeah. so, look, I'm not taking any issue with that. In fact, I, I have no issue with that. Uh, or I, I'm not, I can't disagree with you is what I'm saying. Uh, but so you start with the premise there are more scholarships for women than men. Now you're saying that you should you should create some equity there, or they, these people who are speaking out against competing against men should somehow speak out against this also. And I don't know if I agree with that. Look, I, I, okay. I can't I can't I can't <laughs> disagree with. Your I still point. love you. I can't disagree with That's your fine. point. But look, I think both things can happen at the same time. You know, you could have this right. complete unfairness on the playing fields with men or with women competing against men. That's right. And you can have also unfairness in how many scholarships are delivered. My position would be, or my my concern would be, if if you are going to engineer some way to fix that, it would be impossible. What you've done is you now you're cramming down from the government some sort of equitable. Uh, We've already done that. Title Nine was it, cramming down. It, well, from the I government. agree, and I, we this is the debate we had. I mm-hmm. don't think Title Nine. Uh, it's, is all it's cracked up to be for all sorts of reasons, but it's also got some value for other reasons. But when you say women fought for the right for equality, no, they, title nine gives them superiority. It's not not equality. My point was not that, not to, not to, uh, make an argument in favor of title nine. It is that these women who champion that cause back in the day have stayed silent in the, in, in the face of this onslaught of men joining their ranks. 
And that's what seems so ironic to me is that you have this, you have these, these, these sort of women that, that were at the cutting edge of this saying, we want our own funding or we want this or we want fairness. We want all this stuff. Not to say it was fair when it finally happened. I can't disagree with Dude, you. Dude, all I'm saying but is the there is. The irony is these women now yeah. are silent when that is in direct attack. Right. They are, they, are, they are facing what I would consider an existential threat to women's athletics uh, when men can go compete against women just to get the medals and go win. Uh, and they can say this. Oh, for it's other also reasons. about money. They can say, well, sure. Well, I, I, well, you know, in your thought, in your uh, thought process about, about the scholarship, I, I never even thought about that. That you know, nobody uh, thinks about it unless that, that, you're the father of boys sure. who are denied. And it's athletic. the joke we used to make, yeah, right? So yeah. my grandmother was a Cherokee, so I'm going to check Native American on my application, and therefore right. I'll get a scholarship, right? right. So you don't, you never lived that way, you never cared that way, but now all of a sudden there's a financial incentive to go, um, yeah. to go take it over. So now uh, I'm going to say, uh, well, look, my great grandmother was Native American. I'm so whatever one percentage of that. Uh, so now I want the money. What you're saying is now there's a reason beyond. I think Norm, what you're saying is there's a reason beyond uh, transgenderism that somebody might want to go p- compete in women's sports, and that's a financial incentive. Yeah, and yeah. what what I so Riley Gaines, this coach, I deeply respect them. I think they're brave. I think they're taking on an important issue, and I stand with them 100%. What I'm saying is they have blinders on to a huge inequity in the very same sports at the very same schools for the other gender. Well, this is this is the classic. This is like um, you know, like wake up, people. Who's the yeah. soccer star that missed the kick at the end of the final? Yeah, yeah, Rapino. Uh, Rapino. Yeah, he's an idiot. And, and so she's saying, we deserve all this. We deserve the same amount of money. We deserve. We deserve. We deserve. We deserve. Right. And you know that sort of flies in the face of the fact that nobody want. Well, she's the, pro tranny. She's pro. Well, of course. Now she's she's in favor of both. She's in yeah. favor. Uh, she would welcome a male on that women's soccer until team. she watches from the sidelines, exactly. right? Until right. she's yes. not That's starting, right. yeah. exactly. Because now that she's retiring, yeah. right? It's back to the, the <laughs> theatrical <laughs> ideology. Until it's in your own backyard, you you're all in favor of it. She's at the end of her career; she's right. already so, done her thing. If she had no chance to do it, she might feel totally differently about it. But my point is, is that from a financial perspective. They don't. They don't deserve as much money as the men's soccer program unless they make as much money as the men's yeah, soccer and, program. And actually, I thought I read some follow up to that too. That percentage wise, based on the money flowing in and out, they're making more than men do. As, as statistically, per, statistically, statistically, that yeah. doesn't mean they're as taking a, more of the right. bank as a prorated share. As a prorated share, they are. And the men are subsidizing it. I would guess. Probably, I, I, I don't well, know. In college Probably. sports, they do. Probably so. The so. men's football and men's yeah. basketball and the big programs. They fund the whole thing. Everything, yeah. Right? Oh, yeah, for sure. They, yeah, fund, for the, sure. they yeah. fund the whole thing. Right. And been, when they can't fund the whole thing, programs like Xavier University that had men's football that could not then turn around and create uh, programs off of the income because it was a small team, they cancel men's football. <laughs> you know, that's what's happened at a lot of small schools is they when Title IX came along, those schools said, well, this is the problem. We're canceling the men's mm. sports this now. Is the and now it's with, equal. This is the problem now it's with socialism, right? Nobody has sports. Right. This is yeah, the problem right. with Nobody socialism. Gets the it. more the government tinkers, the worse it gets. So mm. this is my, my analogy is always the same. Anybody who's ever tried to make a square frame with 45 degree miters and it's not quite tight, you can't fix one. 
you know, if once you tweak one, it throws off everything else. And then you got to start tweaking everything. And eventually it just becomes mm-hmm. impossible and you got to start over. And, you know, so if they think that they can cram down re- regulation to fix it, they can't. It'll be a disaster. So, it, you know, the more the government gets involved, the more it gets screwed up. And then there's the, the Thomas Sowell standard is it's never that the policy was bad. It's that they weren't allowed to do enough. You know, it's always like we sh- we should have to do more. And then the the people who get elected and, and cram this crap down, they're the ones that uh, move on to their next position in two or two to four years, and they never get blamed for it. It's their predecessor or their uh, successor that gets blamed for it. So anyway, we've we've beat the horse. Right, mm. right. Well, you know when uh, when people try to claim that they're civil rights advocates, okay, you, you need to take the blinders off. You need you need to see what happens in a co-ed high school situation where you go to the banquet, the end of the year banquet, and they read off the scholarship winner, winners. Who's going to Yale? Who's going to Princeton? Who's going to the University of Cincinnati? Who's going to Wright State? Whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Okay. And they read off the list, and you have the boys who maybe finish second or third in the whole nation. They're sitting there. They don't read a single male name. They wow. read 50 girls' names. And the and and some of the girls just joined the team six months ago to be a you know, uh, but they for they, that fact to get a scholarship exactly probably, you know right. I don't blame and, them necessarily if the money's right. there so, but yeah. and all the all the people well, sit there and they're very quiet and nobody says anything about the systemic sexism in college sports. <laughs> all right. Well, let me uh, except me except Norm mm-hmm. here except me here because I love everybody. Boys and girls, I love them. Well, and, and you know, our not thought, just girls. Our, our thought of bringing Kim on that would be a really good topic to talk about. See what she thinks It'd about be great. that. So you know, I'm really seriously, yeah, is that you can't have equality across the board or equity across the board. It's it's impossible. And the more you try to cram down that yoke on people, the worse it gets. Because at the end of the day, the market still is undergirding all of it. You still have to have uh, some income and revenue to to get the results you want. And if people aren't going to watch women's sports and they're not making any money, somebody's got to pay for it. And, you know, fair enough. If you want to have a college that wants women's sports, I'm all fa- I, I'm in favor of that. I think women, I think there's a value, even though the cost, even though it's revenue doesn't support it. I think there's a value in having competition uh, for men and women in college athletics. I think that is valuable. Uh, you know, who was it, Norm, that said that World War One was won on the playing fields of Acton? Or was it, uh, you know, I, I forget. But, Anyway, it, it's like there's a value to that, um, but at least acknowledge it and don't don't. I think Norm's point is at least acknowledge here that there's more women getting scholarships than men. Now, if you said that at Oberlin, you would get absolutely skewered as well. So we we, we we'll yeah. see. Now that all that there said, are a bunch of pussies up there. I don't care. Let's they skewer all say, me. Well, no, we don't. We're here just to have fun. Yeah. No, so, I'm talking about the Oberlin people. I know. But if yeah, they want to throw javelins at me, I'm throwing them back. Norm, I don't think they will. <laughs> I don't think that they're no, going to acknowledge that you exist. Most of them couldn't pick up a javelin. Yeah. So, still I, one, more, one more comment, and mm. then uh, I think we'll just bring it back to something a little bit more or less controversial. Whatever it is. Hats off to all those Division three collegiate athletes who do not have scholarships, who show up early. Who go to practice? Yeah. Who wake up in the morning? Who go to their treatment after injury, and they get nothing for it other than the value of competition in college athletics. Right. That I used to argue with people all the time is real football, right. and I only say football because that's what I played. That's but it's like when you do that, when you go to a Saturday afternoon at a, sometime around twelve noon at any small Division three athletics program, and you see like you know the the stands are small and usually full with parents and. 
uh, everybody else, and you know that those kids are not getting paid to be there. They That's don't get right. they don't get t shirt endorsements. They don't get right. any of the latest and greatest that the D one athletes get. Right. Um, they are doing it for the good of it, and uh, you know, hats off. So yeah, it's like the Navy, men that, and women, Norm, like men the, and women. Yeah, Debbie three. You're right. Well, yeah, aren't they equal? I no. Oh, they're not equal. They're uh, different. They have equal rights. Uh, they should. Yes. Clear, clearly what I'm referring to. Right. Yeah. Right. At right. Uh, the uh, other good example are the uh, military academies. Those naval midshipmen that showed up to get slaughtered by Notre Dame, right? They're like your Division Three guys, Steve. You know, they're there going to a military academy. They're not getting any extra anything for playing football. And, uh, you know. Hats off to, uh, like you say, people who play sports for the love of the game. For the love of the game. And look, I'm not mm. faulting D1 athletes. Look, if I could have gone D1 and played D1 sports, I would have done it. But I didn't find it unfair that I couldn't. Yeah. Right. So nobody, I didn't, mm. I didn't wake up, look in the mirror and say, this is a bunch of nonsense. Right. Just because I'm not six foot four right. and have a four, four forty or whatever it is, <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like, I don't get to go do that. That's not fair. Right. You know, it's stupid. Yeah, it is. So I, you know, I had other advantages than they had and they had advantages I didn't. So be it. Can't speaking, make it equal. speaking of football, we have the battle of Ohio coming up this weekend. The big why? The Cleveland Browns. Oh, you're, talk, you're talking about, you're oh, not talking about Youngstown I'm State ta- versus Ohio State. <laughs> come on. Come on. <laughs> Come on. Wow. That's a junior varsity game against uh, exactly. the, you know, the, the, the New York Jets or something. Totally a money the, game. The, uh, oh. Yeah, right. So uh, God bless uh, Ohio State having to share the revenue, halvesies, I guess, with yeah. Youngstown. That'll, that, I, I would just love it if Jim Tressel walked out of his university president's office and went to the sideline and coached uh, Youngstown for the game. That would be great. Yeah. But at any rate, the Battle of Ohio, Browns versus the Bengals being played in Cleveland – on the on the heels of, I guess yesterday, Joe Burrow concluding the most lucrative contract I believe in NFL history at fifty five million dollars a year, uh, two hundred nineteen million of the two hundred seventy five million dollar deal um, is guaranteed money. Hmm. So if he gets injured, man, they're writing that check no matter what. And this is the frugal Bengals. God, the, the the people who wouldn't spend a nickel. I mean, all of a sudden they've they've gone, you know, full Steinbrenner, mm-hmm. and they're spending just you know massive amounts. So great for Joe Burrow. Good good boy. Hope you have a good year this year. And they're playing. Um, what the, I can't think of the name of that quarterback, the one who got into trouble with the massage parlors uh, up there in Cleveland. Oh yeah, they yeah. did. A doc- yeah. Netflix has something on it too. Yeah, so. <laughs> What does Netflix name, uh, have? On? Is it Walker? I, can't I forget. I Baker, forget ma- Baker, yeah. is it? Baker? No, 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 no. Yeah. He's long gone. Yeah. No, uh, I forget. Yeah. yeah, Baker plays for uh, God, Florida, anyway, North Carolina yeah. team. No, it's so, Deshaun, just, just Sean Jackson. I, I don't, I don't know. know. I just looked. I just looked it up because you know Ohio and football go way back. There's some really fascinating history between the Cleveland Browns and the uh, Bengals with. Uh, and how all that happened, go check it out. We won't cover it here. Maybe a different show. But, yeah. you know, go back to, I just looked up the 1930 Portsmouth Spartans season. So Portsmouth was the first NFL team, I think, in Ohio. And I think they played, hmm. I'm trying to find it now, but I think they played the first ni- NFL night game in Portsmouth, too. Um, Pro so, Football Hall of Fame. It's in Ohio. It's in Ohio. Yeah. Can, Ohio. Right. Yeah, um, so, you know, there's uh, Ohio makes it big again, and there's lots of common sense happening right here. Maybe not everywhere in Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. OJ's still in the hall. 
<laughs> so, but Pete's yeah. not in the baseball. Well, there we go. And then you got Pete. <laughs> yeah, you got Pete on the reverse side, exactly. <laughs> if he were in Ohio, would they have let him in? Or if the if the Hall of Fame were in Ohio, the Baseball Hall of Fame were not Cooperstown, but rather, yeah. say, Columbus. Ohio. That, that's a posthumous award. Once, <laughs> yeah. he, once he passes away, they'll let him in. So Terrible. Uh, you guys want to talk about a little bit about that uh, very strange case uh, up there in um, Blendon Township where a pregnant 21-year-old mm-hmm. African-American uh, mom was shot uh, by a police officer. Um, it, it, I, I guess the two Blendon Township police were, wait, were in a parking lot in front of Kroger's there on Sunbury Road, and they are assisting a motorist. I don't know with what, you know, maybe a locked car. I don't know. So they're in the parking lot. Out comes some Kroger employees, so the story goes, according to the dispatch. Uh, employees of the Kroger run out to the parking lot and go, officer, officer, there's a gang of people, one of these crowd deals that I guess they do on the on the phone. Um, you know, people have seen that on TV where a group of people go in and shoplift. Mm. Well, it's happening here at Kroger. I, they're running out with steaks and turkeys and, I don't know, brooms and whatever Kroger sells. And, you know, do something. Please help us, whatever. So all the other shoplifters, alleged shoplifters, leave the scene, successfully abscond, except this 21-year-old female who's in a car by herself. So hold on a second. I missed some of this. Maybe I daydream, or maybe I was daydreaming, or maybe I just missed it. So these were people, these were uh, looters, or shop, like a shoplifting, alleged, uh, a shoplifting group, shop, an organized shoplifting that's group. Right. Yes, okay. Okay. That's right. That's the right. allegation. Huh. And the police happened to be on the scene helping somebody else, so their response was instantaneous. They literally walked across the parking lot. They cornered, so she is in the car, car's running. She refuses an order to get out. So she has been she has been designated by the employees of Kroger. Yeah, that's one of the people that was stealing. Mm. The police, one gets in front of her, right at her bumper, front bumper. The other gets on the side. And there's body cam footage. You can go to the internet and watch it. Um and the Blendon Township police officers order her to get out of the expletive-deleted uh, car. She refuses, and you can hear her yell back, what are you going to do, shoot me? She then accelerates up against, makes body contact with her car to on the police officer who's standing in front of her with the gun drawn aimed at her windshield. She pushes against him with her car. And he fires one shot, kills her. She yeah, has a, a she has a six year. She's twenty one years old. She has a six year old. So you can do the math. She this is a baby having a baby. She was fifteen when she had that first baby. She was raised by her grandmother. This is all coming out because mm-hmm. naturally the family has hired counsel, and she has a two year old. So she has. Yeah, the, this is this is tragic on every level. That's yeah. tragic on every level. Was she part of the the, the oh, gang looting, oh, or she just wrong I, I, place, yeah, wrong time? I, I don't want to play fact. You know, oh, I didn't know if it I'm, came out. I'm reporting. Gotcha. What other okay. So we don't know reported. for sure whether she was part of yeah. the looting gang. And let's say she That's is right. for a second. Let's just let's take it. I was going to say take two scenarios here. There yeah. So scenario right. one. Yeah. She was part of it. Or I think maybe a better way to look at it is there was a reasonable suspicion to believe that she was part of it. That's a yeah, reasonable yeah. suspicion is a term of art, meaning that you have some understanding or some reasonable notion that there's criminal activity afoot. Go try to define that in the U.S. Supreme Court and you'll go down a rabbit hole for hours. But, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, so they think, all right, stop. So in the first the first question is, what does it take for a police officer to 
implement a police stop of a motor vehicle. It takes reasonable suspicion. They have to have some notion that there's a criminal activity afoot. In the context of a typical traffic violation, it's speeding or bad Mm -hmm. turn or no signal, uh, whatever it would be, uh, so they can make that stop. But here there's not a traffic violation. They think that she is involved in some other criminal activity. The first question will be, did they have a right to, to stop her car? to tell her to stop. Because when the police say stop, that's a police stop motor vehicle. It's a significant intrusion. It requires justification under the Fourth Amendment. Look up Delaware versus Prowse, and you can read all about it. Then the question is, do they have a right to tell her to stop and get out of the car? That's called a MIMS order, Pennsylvania versus MIMS, another U.S. Supreme Court case. And anybody, like you see these idiots on YouTube saying, don't get out of your car, crack your window, don't talk to the police. It's all, bull, it's all bad advice mm-hmm. because the police, like it or not, the U.S. Supreme Court has said they can order you out of your car. They can even order out a passenger of your car, and um, you have to comply. Um, now, do police take? A, does that result in some bad police work at times? Absolutely, it does. But that's the that's the fact. So here we have a police officer. I think it was a Westerville cop um, drawn or trying to tell this woman not to leave, stop, and then she, uh, it, you know, almost like tauntingly says, "What are you going to do? Shoot me?" And, you know, it, it's this is this is a problem that I think is is spawned by all sorts of causes, not the least of which is this educational um, crap that we are that, that everybody's got a steady diet of through the media uh, that police are all bad. You don't have to listen to the police. They're all racist. They're all this. They're all that. You know, had she have stopped and gotten out of the car. Nothing would have happened. So that doesn't mean the shooting is good. But, you know, that that's also something we have to analyze. Then the question is, when she doesn't stop and she starts to move forward in her car, does this officer have the right to pull the trigger and shoot her? Um, and that's, that's a hard question. You know, on the one hand, he's going to say, well, I was fearful for my life because I was going to get run over. And maybe that's true. On the other hand, you could say, well, you could have just sidestepped this and not gotten run over. And then he's going to say, well, then then I've got a fugitive and I've got to go run and chase down a fugitive. And, they, and others are going to say, well, so what? And the police are going to say, well, because a high speed chase like that or any sort of fugitive chase puts everybody else in danger and, you know, goes on and on and on and on. And there's not going to be any speculation uh, both ways. It's all going to be one way or another. Now, here at Common Sense Ohio, we're going to look at it both ways. I don't think this is necessarily a clean shooting. I don't think it's necessarily a bad shooting. It's a very tragic shooting. And, you know, you would say there's all sorts of ways this could have been avoided, uh, not the least of which is if she's involved in the theft, don't be a thief. If she's involved, if she actually said, what are you going to do, shoot me, and starts to roll forward, forward uh, to this cop. Uh, you know, it's sort of like, Norm, I saw a parallel scenario where, I forget where it was, it wasn't Ohio, but these protesters were sort of laid out in front of trucks on the yeah, highway, yeah. protesting green stuff, whatever it would be. I saw that. Yeah, and it's like, yeah. you know. At some point. It was reservation cops in that case, I believe. Yeah. At yeah. some point, you're going to get run over. You yeah, know, it's like, yeah. you know, you. These it, were people trying to get to Burning Man, I think, in fact, if you're talking about the incident this week. I, and the, I and the pro. I think, it was a, I think it was an environmental protest of some sort. It was. Okay, maybe it was. It was, but the, the, if I understand it right, the motorists were trying to get to that festival that got rained out anyway. But, what a disaster. Kevin, yeah. Kevin Hart thumbing to get out of there. That's awesome. <laughs> but these were, uh, if I understand it, uh, these were, I believe, not that it matters, but I, I believe they were sheriffs or deputies from, from whatever, you know, Pima Indian or Navajo, but they were on tribal land, I believe. And I think it was those 
that I think you're right. sort yeah. of mm-hmm. beliefs off. Not but, that it, not that that changes anything. But look, if you do stuff like that, there's going to be a human response to it. So, oh, you know, yeah. and, and I don't think she was like threatening this. She wasn't saying, I'm going to kill you, police officer. But she was saying, I'm not going to comply and yeah. I'm willing to push this yeah. further yeah. by bumping into you with my car just to tell you I'm not going to comply. Yeah. Now, the cop is probably not going to be able to honestly say to himself in the mirror, I thought she was going to kill me because he could have just jumped out of the way, I'm sure, and let her go. Now, I'm not saying that was his move, but it makes the problem more complicated. It's not like he was pulling the trigger in self-defense because he could have gotten away. So now the question is, will will the shooting be justified given the fact that she was told to stop, she was not complying, she was willing to at least uh, gesture that she would run over the guy if he didn't get yeah. out of the way. Um, it's terrible. So her, she was pregnant. Her baby was due in November, and the baby died too, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is this died. is terrible. This yeah. is this is awful. Well, and then sadly, all of that stuff you just talked about. You took five minutes, whatever it might be. The cop has to go through in two seconds yeah, to think like about that. this. Yeah. Think about thinking about, and, think about, think about that. And he's yeah, and he's human. He's so not I get, an AI computer that can make all the right. decisions like a TV cop. So you know now the. The fallback on, or you know, the fallout on this is that more training, more training, more training. Do you, do you think, from your experience, is training? Yeah, I think training necessary, is or I, I think a training, training is should be better. I, I don't know that this is a training problem. That's this is, right. I think, okay, I don't know. Who knows? I, I yeah. think it, look, the more training and experience you have, the better police officers. Of course, be. we can all agree with that. Of course. So now we could say, now we should ask: Is the more training and experience you have, would that have prevented this? And the answer is maybe. Um, but what would it, there, how many there, scenarios can you play through to train? Well, you know, you the, know? the entire Columbus area gathered around the two Westerville cops who were killed responding to a domestic request. Yep. Morelli. And that and was pre-Floyd. That, yeah, Morelli, and I can't think of the name of the other officer. Man. Forgive me for that. I should know his name. It's terrible. But the, the two officers went to the door, guns not drawn, just walked up there you know, they, they want to peaceably try to resolve whatever's going on. It was, they had been called to that address before. The guy answers the door, kills both of them. Boom, boom. Like no discussion, just boom, boom. Yeah. Right. So, and then next door, here's Blendon Township, which is adjacent to Westerville. And you got a car, which can be a deadly, a deadly weapon, sure right? Can. Well, all the, these were Blendon, not Westerville cops? They were Blendon. Okay, I misspoke. Uh, yeah. Blendon Township. So a car, to your point, Norm, I've defended many a case where the disgruntled boyfriend or disgruntled girlfriend, they, they try to run down. You know, they're, yeah. they're in a fight, and then one gets out, and they're yeah. chasing them down. It's a freaking lethal weapon. It, yeah. it's, it's charged as a felonious assault sure. because the car is a deadly weapon. Yeah. Uh, so it can be a deadly weapon. Hmm. And, you know, the issue hmm. here is— Charlottesville, right? The yeah. Guy well, from, yeah. The guy from Columbus from, who plowed through. Right. A, a, a protesters, yeah, right? right. Yeah. yeah, same thing. So you get to this spot where there's multiple things at play here. I think you have like now years of, you know, hands up, don't shoot type of indoctrination uh, that have sort of educated people that any police interaction is unfair and unwarranted. Right. All right. So you're only doing this because I'm black or you're only doing this because you're a cop or you're only doing this because you got too much power and you're corrupt. Or, and, or she's probably, you know... Um, this is this is where the cultural sickness comes in. She is probably aware, like most Americans, that sub one thousand dollars, right? Like in L.A., Portland, 
you know, San Francisco, a lot of other New York maybe, City. Maybe she's that, aware of that. that you can do shoplifting, yeah. right? I don't know that and she's aware of that necessarily. But the I think implication our culture, is, impl- our the implication is, I should be allowed to do this because life is unfair. Yeah, that's really the, that's really the underlying message. Life is unfair. These people have too much. I can take it anyway. Yeah. And it, it, I think we all as humans have fought that way on some level. Well, that guy's loaded. He can afford it. Or you know that yeah. guy's this. And, yeah. You know, all right. so yeah. they can afford it. They sell all this stuff. So you know, if I get one extra item in the checkout that I didn't pay for, I can yeah. justify that. Yeah. And we have to go through our own moral dilemma to 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 work through that. But I think it's it's gone beyond that now, and it's like they think that it's unfair. Uh, life is unfair completely and cops are always bad and we don't have to listen to cops. And why would they think that? Well, because that's what they've been told. We went through two and a half years of this crap. That's what they were told. But, but, but our culture is aware of incidents like the home Depot lady who got fired for trying to foil a shoplifter. The the, the bodega employee in, in New York city. Remember he stabbed his assailant, who came in with a gun, he stabbed his assailant to defend himself, and uh, and and uh, Fat Alvin out there was going to prosecute this guy for defending his life. It turns out he dropped the charges. But the concept now, I think, is starting to get burned into the general culture that shoplifting isn't serious. That if it's under a thousand bucks, basically the employees at uh, Target or you know, at, at, at these stores are basically being told, hey, hey, it's just stuff. Let it be stolen. Do not intercede. Well, and listen, so you've got... And so see- she's probably thinking, hey, we could steal a turkey and some steaks and really... They're not going to come after it. It's not. I don't think that's the connection. No, I, th- I think you're, you're, you're correct, except I don't think it's that specific. I think it's more like we should be able to do this. It, you know, it's well, not, it's not that we're not going to get caught or prosecuted. I think, I don't think, oh, okay. I don't think people commit crimes or, oh. or are deterred from committing crimes because of a fear of prosecution uh, it, it okay. directly. I think there's more to it. I think some of that's true, but some of it's also okay. become implicit. So if you know, you've done it 20 times and you haven't been caught, nobody said anything, you're, you're liable to do it 21. And, you know, and they think, well, I just won't get caught or they won't do anything if I do get caught. It's like when, when I tell my son, if you don't come back at 10 PM, and then I systematically let him come back at 10.30, or I give him a 10 p.m. curfew, and I let him come back mm-hmm. at 10.30 every single night, well, eventually he's going to say, well, it's no big deal. 10.30 is my new curfew. And that's it right. It becomes sort of like sure. that's right. ingrained. I don't think it's a spe- what I'm right. saying, Norm. It's not like a specific this to that. Well, it just but, becomes your normal pattern of behavior. Except mm-hmm. we've added that extra dynamic to it. And now, did now you see- Now it's a permission slip. Did you see mm-hmm. this story in, uh, in um, out of Minnesota? So there was a Democratic official- uh, who was uh, leading the the charge, or who was at least part of the charge for dismantling the police at the height of the Black Li- Black Lives Matter movement? She was attacked, you know, in in her own little neighborhood mm-hmm. with her kids watching, and was brutally beaten. I mean, I read about this beating, and it was bad. Um, and you know, now she went on to demand consequences. Oh. We need to, you know, right. it's like now yeah, we need to get the go. illegal guns off the street, right. catch these young people who are ruining or who are running wild, creating chaos across our city. The the point here is that. Not as we've said a hundred times, you know, there's, there's more than one cause for these problems. And it's not just that there's bad police. It's like some police are bad for sure, but there's still crime and we still need police to go combat crime. We can't let this crap run amok. And when you do, you get what you reap, what you sow. And and some of this is tragically, I think, uh, I think what we're really saying in this Kroger incident, tragically, it, you can, you can trace it back to that to some extent. You can say this, this woman has been taught somehow, some way, or she understands somehow, some way that she doesn't have to listen to a police order. 
And yeah, you know, yeah, I'm yeah. not blaming her for getting shot, but I'm saying she she thought she didn't have to comply with that, and it wasn't fair to even be asked to stop. Right. To the point yeah. where she threw up her middle finger and said, "What are you going to do about it? Shoot me!" Yeah, and you know, it's not yeah. poetic justice that she got no, shot. I'm not saying no, no, no. I'm not saying that. It's not. I'm sure the police officer yeah. involved is. He's ruined for life. Exactly. He's got to live with this right, for life. Right, right. Well, well, he, he may he, go to prison. Yeah, exactly. And, and I mean, there's even one more extreme to this scenario is that she may have been in the wrong place at the wrong time. Right. Had nothing to, you know, Kroger people poked her. No but question. complete accident. But she still, to your point, the Kid. culture of screw you. I was just sitting here. I'm not going to do this. Yeah. If you know. So even to that extreme, she may have been completely innocent, but maybe. she lost her life because of the culture that's being developed right. around you're that. You're a cop. Flip, flip you're you off. You're racist. You're right. bad. You're this. You're right. that. I don't, I don't even know if it, exactly. I, I don't even know if it was a white cop. It I, may not have been. I have no idea. I don't but know either. But it's happening both ways. I mean, they're, yeah, they're black. I don't know. That's right. You know, it's, but it's, of course, uh, many, many, many well-known black uh, public figures have been called race, you know, white supremacists anymore. I can't even keep it straight. The, the, I think the takeaway that I have from this is what I've told my children, you know, who are grown adults now. This, mm. this, this lady was 21 years old. She's not a kid anymore. No, She's no. Had, two, had two children pregnant with a third one. You would think somewhere somebody would have said, for God's sakes, if a guy's got a holster on his belt and he's got his gun drawn, do what the hell he tells you to do. Right. If, and then, if then he's a poli- sort it out later. Sort it out later. See, here's, what, here's what people forget. Good God. Even if you have a bad actor cop, it doesn't mean that all the review of it later is going to be That's against right. you. You know, That's there right. is some recourse. Thank you. And it's not always perfect. In fact, it's probably mostly imperfect, but at least is more perfect than getting shot. Oh, my God. Right. right. Yeah. You know, yeah. yes. it's like, come yes. on. And I'm not saying the cop right. did did right. I'm not saying he did wrong. I'm saying it's tragic and it sucks. The young lady's name, I don't think I've said, is Takaya Young. So, and uh, I'm praying for her and her family. God, this God, is bless, awful. Her. God bless her soul. I, this I just, is awful. Terrible. Uh, and then Shivanti Sathanadan uh, is the is the uh, vice chairwoman of the Minnesota Democratic Farmer Party who got attacked up in Minnesota. Wow. So, anyway, just for, for the record. Yeah. Well, Norm, we got probably time for a couple nuggets. And we well, wrap it you up. know, uh, if you will, I think we can leverage because you talked about some some sort of like social learning here vis a vis interactions with the police, and I think there is a little bit of an analogy to be had with the misbehavior, the very wrong uh, storming of the Capitol uh, by a a small number of people on January 6th, that leading up to that terrible day where, where, uh, you know, people misguided or criminally intended people a very small number, in my opinion, actually wanted to stop the legislative process, and then the rest were just followers. But I, but but where did they get the idea that you could storm a public building and interrupt things and and break down fences and and bust through doors? Well, they saw that entire pattern of misbehavior happening on the other side of the political spectrum. And I believe they thought, well, hell, you know, I mean, if you get to, if, if BLM and Antifa can burn down cities, burn down courthouses, burn down police stations in city after city after city and occupy whole city squares, well, why can't 
the Oath Keepers and the Proud Boy guys, right? You can you can imagine the twisted mentality that some of them would have looking at looking at Ill- illegality that is not prosecuted on this side, and them saying, "Well, hell." We can do it too, I guess. Well, I don't think it was a matter of we'll get away with it because they no, were prosecuted. No, right, I think it was a matter right. of we need to do something because this right. is everything has gone so far that it's just that right is wrong, wrong is right, right. and everything's upside down. Right. We live in this bizarre world. Not to justify going no, in and not to justify gonna, it, but on the other, but to it, explain it. Yeah, and I and I think I, I think that was those who will not at least acknowledge that that was fueled by a year and a half or two years of covid black lives matter craziness that's right, that's right. then you're you're you are intentionally misleading yourself and others as to the cause this was a this was a culmination of two years of crap we and, had it at the state house here in ohio yep yeah, you know, people coming up to this the window and Business just businesses shut down. Yeah, riots, so, people coming in, police, you know, federal buildings being invaded, all this crap, and nobody doing anything about it. Not only that, the media saying that it was okay or it wasn't happening, and even if it is happening, it is okay. Right, and it's like it it, it doesn't justify the reaction, but it explains it. And, That's right, and That's right. all I'm saying. And right, it, it, I agree, or at least in part explains it. That's right, and you know. To, to not analyze it completely is yet another political whitewashing of what really was going on. Mm-hmm. So we yeah. have had 39 Ohioans uh, drawn into the January 6th trials. Uh, in, in total, around 1,100 people charged, about 600, mm-hmm. so more than half, have been sentenced so far. The leader of the Proud Boys, who was not even in yeah, D.C. Yeah, Enrico Tario. It, was just sentenced to 22 years for, like, talking about how it, wrong things were. It'll be interesting to see how the U.S. <laughs> how that how that gets shaken up in the U.S. Supreme, or as it goes up the appellate ladder. Yeah. But uh, you yeah. know, there's been no acquittals of any of those cases. No. And you know, I've, I've I've done some consulting work on those cases. I've done some uh, research on the jury panel for those types of cases. And good luck. You're not going to win. Are most yeah. of those charges just trespassing? No, no, uh, no. He, he was convicted for. Uh, well, I mean, I meant, I meant of the six hundred. Oh. He was yeah. convicted. Well, yeah, it's a variety. Of oh, things. I gotcha. He yeah. was convicted, amongst other things, of a thing called seditious conspiracy. Yeah, oh. that was which sounds like shit you know, to me. That's like Cold yeah. War stuff. But anyway, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, 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 yeah. That's, yeah. The, uh, that's Woodrow Wilson, World War One. Yeah, 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 you might be right. Yeah, yeah. that's so, really bizarre stuff. Hmm. Yeah, most of those cases are going to be just trespasses, misdemeanors, I, I, and just which yesterday is, or it's the still day, a record. But yeah, yeah. just yeah. yesterday or the day before, a thirty or uh, yeah, thir- nope, a twenty-six-year-old Grove City guy, uh, Benjamin Schuler, who's already in prison for vehicular homicide was uh, dragged to Cincinnati and uh, and arraigned for assaulting a police officer on January 6th. Yeah. Well, so, that's a different so, crime. So here's, yeah. yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's a variety of things. Right, right. right. No, sure. Yep. All right. Well, um, with that, we probably ought to wrap it up. I know it's been another riveting dose of common sense, and you would love to sit here and listen to us uh, babble on some more with more common sense, more, more, more. Well, guess what? You can come next week and check us out because we'll be here each and every week going forward. If you want to check out our show, the old shows, all the old debates, all the old fun, go to commonsenseohioshow.com. That's a website commonsenseohioshow.com, where you can check out all the old archive shows. You can subscribe, you can like, you can share, and that's what we encourage you to do. So it helps us uh, when you not only you listen, but you download, and you tell others to listen and download, and, and it's catchy. It's starting to happen. I'm getting uh, feedback from sources around Ohio and the country that I would never expect. You know, it's not like 
my friend of a friend. It's like somebody I never even had zero connection with uh, said, oh, yeah, I know that guy. They have a good show, Common Sense Ohio. So uh, jump on a bandwagon, folks. Share it. Get others on the bandwagon. This is the idea of what we're doing, and I do mean this without jest. Um, what we're trying to do here is give a, provide legitimate common sense commentary on these issues. We're not saying we're right. I'm not saying we're always right. I'm not saying we're always wrong. I'm not, you know, what we're trying to do is just talk it out. You hear me think out loud all the time. That means that some of my thoughts are sometimes flawed. It means that sometimes uh, Norm is right. That's very rare, but sometimes, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Sometimes, sometimes Norm is right and I'm wrong. Sometimes I'm wrong. Norm is right. Sometimes none of us are right. I, We're hey, just trying to figure it out. Yeah. So, just trying to figure yeah. it out. I <laughs> mean, I, it's a mistake. It's, it's a terrible character flaw for anybody to cling to their rightness. You know, self-righteous. We, I, have an open ego. mind. Every position I have is open to revision, to revise and extend. So uh, yeah, if, you have a, if you have a better argument, bring it. Bring it. Otherwise, otherwise, Oberlin, I'm throwing the freaking javelin <laughs> right back at your ass. <laughs> right. All right. So remember, as said, go read, go read C.S. Lewis's discussions about pride. You can check your pride at the door here because uh, That's right. you have a right to be wrong and, uh, and it's not wrong That's right. uh, to be right. So yep. anyway. Uh, commonsenseohioshow.com coming at you right from the middle each and every week, at least until now. Yeehaw.